today on the show, apparently mm. we're the press now, Leo, <laughs> and yeah. we're coming in hot today with a spoiler-free review of Dune Part 2. Welcome to Gamjabar, your guide to the iconic world of Dune. We'll be exploring the themes, philosophies, and characters found in the sandy depths of this vast universe, from Frank Herbert's groundbreaking novels to the adaptations on film and TV. My name is Leo. And my name's Abu. Oh, buddy. Oh, buddy. We saw the movie. We saw the movie. <laughs> we saw the movie. We saw Dune Part 2. And the review embargo lifted today. Right. So we are talking about Dune Part 2. Now, very clear, to be very, very clear, this is a spoiler-free episode. Yes. We have so many specific thoughts that we are <laughs> not going to share today. Absolutely. We are going to keep the conversation 100% spoiler-free. That being said, we are going to talk in very broad strokes about the film. But that could still color your perceptions. So this episode will be waiting for you when you've seen the movie. It's here. But for the rest of you who are just eager to hear what we think about the movie, yeah. we decided to make this available. Heck yeah. Heck yeah. So as, as long as you've seen part one, of course, and yep. as long as you've seen the trailers for part two, you're perfectly safe to listen today. We're not getting into specifics. We're talking broad strokes. We'll talk about Things like the actor performances and cinematography and the music and just our initial thoughts and feelings about the film. Right. Very quickly, before we get into it, a shout out to our Quizads Hadarak level patrons over on Patreon. Case Aiken, Daniel, Dion, Roman Cavallo, Jonathan, Lambert, C.R. Spruill. Can't believe that list is so long. Thank you so much to all of you for supporting and being so generous. Of course, that gratitude extends to all of our patrons who support us across all the levels and all of our listeners who tune in every single week. Every single one of you helps make this show possible, and every single one of you is the reason we get to go to an early press event of the film, watch it, and prepare our thoughts and our episodes for you. Indeed. You make what we do possible. Thank you. Indeed. So, we are going to talk now about our review of Dune Part oh, 2. Oh my god. But first, we're going to take a quick break. Yes. So don't go anywhere. When we're back, our review of Dune Part 2. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back, everyone. 
let's get into it. So to start off, Leo, I'm yeah. super curious. Initial thoughts. Tell me the emotions you felt the minute we stepped out of the theater in broad strokes. What did you think of Dune Part 2? <laughs> well, the moment we stepped out of the theater, we didn't talk for like 12 minutes walking <laughs> out of the theater because we were trying to find a good place to film and have our like earnest conversation on camera. Yeah. Uh, so I was just like, oh my God, what did he think? You know, the whole time? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, no, but I loved it. I thought it was a great movie. Uh, very much enjoyed it. Uh, yeah. the two and a, two hours and 45 minutes flew by mm -hmm. and, uh, it ended and I wanted more. So that, that's how I was feeling. What more could you want? What about you? What broadly, what did you think? Zero out of 10, one out of 10 hated it. My God, I was shaken. That walk out of the theater was excruciating for me because I too was <laughs> yeah. thinking like, oh my gosh, what does Leo think? Should I say it now? Do I wait? Should I wait until we yeah, yeah, hit, yeah. Roll, hit record yeah. on the camera? I frankly didn't know how to process my feelings walking out of the theater. Mm. I was like quite emotional. I was like riding this high. And now that I've had a couple of hours to like sit down and jot down thoughts in a script and you and I have chatted about it. And I actually took a moment to eat lunch and get some calories in my body. <laughs> yeah. A couple of words come to mind for me, but all of these words feel inadequate. Masterpiece, perfection, unimaginable, awe-inspiring. Uh -huh. Those are the words that come to me when I think of Dune Part 2. So like a high 2 out of 10. Like a 3 out of 10. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> On a very graduated scale, a high 2 out of 10. <laughs> I, I can say this definitively of my opinion. What yeah. I think of this film, I think Dune Part 2 is a once-in-a-generation science fiction masterpiece. And mm. frankly, I want to wish good fucking luck to any and all sci-fi films in the next, like, three decades because <laughs> they're all about to be compared to Denis Villeneuve's Dune films, and they all have to live up to that expectation now because now yeah. we as an audience know how spectacular science fiction storytelling can be on the silver screen. I truly believe Denis Villeneuve has set the bar with this, not only for Dune and Dune fans and this story in particular, but for yeah. all of sci-fi cinema. Man, I feel like in comparison, I hated it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, this was great, 9 out of 10, and you're like, this was the greatest thing I've ever seen. Yeah, and... I, I, I genuinely believe that, yeah. Well, awesome. Let's talk a little bit more, again, avoiding specifics. This is completely spoiler-free. But going through maybe some qualities of the film, starting with, like, cinematography, right? Yeah. Like Villeneuve, he's definitely proven himself as a visionary director. How do you think he handled the cinematography of this movie? How did it look? My goodness. I mean, this was a visual treat of a film, start to finish. And I'm talking about everything from the set design to the actual like cinematography and shot composition itself, to the costume choices, to the visual effects on screen that all feel so grounded in realism that it's hard to figure out like, did they build this giant machine thing or is this all like a yeah. fucking CGI thing that I'm looking <laughs> at, you know? Spectacular stuff. I love the look of the film. I think Danny Villeneuve established a very unique and authentic look in part one and he expanded on that in a way in part two that continued to elaborate on this universe that he created without crossing into campiness or silliness or, or falling into the traps that previous dune 
adaptations have found themselves in. He walks that line yeah. Yeah, yeah. perfectly between bold choices that are creative mm-hmm. and cool and sci-fi and a little wacky, but he yeah. didn't get into the territory of like sci-fi channel fucking ridiculous butterfly hats or whatever <laughs> that 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 uh, TV adaptation did. And I really appreciated that. There's a level of restraint here while also pushing boundaries. And that's a very hard line to walk. What about you? What what did your eyeballs think of this movie? <laughs> no, I mean, it was excellent. And I, I second everything you're saying about grounded VFX and like grounded FX, right? Yeah. I also think the choreography and the cinematography were both really excellent as well. Like, again, addressing this idea of like, how did it look? I haven't seen a movie like this that has the same sense of scale and an impression of like, I am seeing very big things and yeah. believing that they're very big. Totally. I haven't seen that since, well, I don't know, a movie called Dune Part One. <laughs> so <laughs> it feels like a trend that we are seeing not only Villeneuve's vision, but also like Patrice Vermette's team and the work that they all clearly put into making this look as good as possible. And definitely, whatever VFX there was felt very tasteful, and I suspect will continue to look good 30 years from now, which oh, is yeah. one of those like benchmarks that I always find. Like, is this CGI going to look bad soon? And on recent like Marvel movies, even, it's been like, yeah, this is going to look kind of rough in 10 years. Probably. Completely. And so then to see this just looks so, you know, seamless. It's like, it's it's. Wonderful. I couldn't agree more. Now, the visuals would be nothing without some spectacular audio elements. Oh, yes. What did you think of uh, Hans Zimmer's work? What did you think of the sound design? How how did the movie sound? My goodness. Hans Zimmer (laughs) never left the kitchen, folks, because he fucking (laughs) cooked! He's been cooking this whole time. Gas. Gas range. I blown away. Again, part one established like the soundscape of this film and Hans Zimmer stuck to that and then took it up a notch here. Like the score, spectacular. And it hits all the right emotions. It it genuinely adds so much to the powerful moments in the film in a way that only Hans Zimmer can do, truly. Like when the music in this film kicks in, it is deliberate and you fucking feel it in your bones. And when this film is quiet and all you hear is like breathing and sand falling off of a like dune crest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is deliberate and god damn it do you feel that silence in your bones. <laughs> and I think having the wherewithal and the restraint and the discipline to play with music versus silence when there is music to punctuate the emotion and when there isn't that i think is a very particular talent that a lot of folks fall into the trap of just relying too much on on filling the silence and being afraid to use silence so i I just i just find myself geeking out about that in this film how many times it is just so quiet in this movie yeah And I think that's, it's a trend in this movie. And I think this is something that Villeneuve also does very well broadly in a lot of his work, but it's a knowing when to use it, when not to use it. Like when the score kicked in, it was like, oh, I'm glad the score is here. And then when the score was not around, if you even thought to miss it, 
it was like, oh, no, it's good that this is just Timothy Chalamet's breathing, or it's just the, like, shifting sands of each step through the desert, yep. right? Like, yep. it's this very visceral thing that, again, totally serves to ground you in the feelings of the characters and the, the kind of human experience in whatever is happening on screen. Completely. Very, very cool. Well, well, moving on from cinematography and sound design, let's talk yeah. about the absolutely gorgeous people in this movie. <laughs> it was so hot, yeah. So hot. What did you think of these hot, hot performances? Oh, hottest one ever, Stellan Skarsgård. <laughs> God, that Baron's so fucking sexy. Uh, give me God, a hug, Baron me a, Vladimir. A few, I bet he cuddles like a fucking <laughs> madman. I bet that dude fucking cuddles. Yeah. No, the acting was fantastic. Now, naturally, like, as a voice actor, I do tend to, like, hang a little bit on acting performances, but there were multiple performances in this movie that I was just like, this is spectacular. Mm -hmm. And... Mm -hmm. Each character kind of has a moment where they get to have their little time on screen. And I felt like every actor brought it, just brought it so fully. In particular, Rebecca Ferguson is fucking stellar. Yes. Oh, my goodness. Timothy Chalamet, amazing. Woo. You know, again, it's a heavy role to carry. It's a very, very difficult role to carry. And I think Indeed. the character of Paul is one of the reasons why people for decades called this movie unadaptable. Zendaya was spectacular in her role. And every moment that Javier Bardem was on screen, I was smiling and just having a great time because he's magnetic. Right. Like everything he does is incredible. I will also shout out Austin Butler, Mr. Spectacular. I think we were, many of us were, Skeptical, worried a little bit about, and I think he did a great job. I think he did a really amazing yeah. job. Agreed. And I was worried also from the trailers that I would feel like he's over the top a little, like trying to be, I don't know, like too, too intense. Didn't feel too intense in the moment. I was just no. like, this is no, this is intense. <laughs> this right. is a correct amount intense. of intense. <laughs> correct amount of fucking crazy. Uh, so excellent. And then I will say pretty much every other actor did a really fantastic job. I'll definitely say more about specific performances when we're talking spoilers, but, um, yeah, broadly, very, very happy. Could have been done a lot worse. It was spectacular. What'd you think? I couldn't agree more. You shouted out basically all of the people that I loved in this film as well. Timothy Austin Butler, Rebecca Ferguson in particular. I think owned every single scene they were in in a way that was even more impressive than Dune Part 1. If Timothy Chalamet wasn't your Paul Atreides in Part 1, he fucking is in Part 2. That's for <laughs> yeah. sure. I also quickly want to comment on the performances. You wouldn't think this based on Part 1 and based on just Dune as a novel, but there are some genuinely funny moments in this Part, yeah. in this movie like more so than totally, in part yeah. one there's like genuinely like sort of jokey and laugh out loud moments but not in this like marvel quippy quip 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 way that has sort of taken over cinema like marvel established that tony stark quip and now every film thinks that's the only way to be funny right here it's like subtle and often there's like unspoken humor like no one is saying the joke out loud but it's implied and it just ends ends up being a funny moment or interaction. So I, I want to commend the film for striking that balance of 
having these moments of levity in an otherwise very heavy, very intense movie. Yeah, completely agreed. I mean, we see a little bit of it in the first movie, like the uh, Stilgar's curtness when he's talking to Duke Leto in the first movie. Yeah, the spitting scene is so funny. Yeah, and he's like, that's all I have to say to you. Right. And he like leaves. That's funny. It's funny to see him have that moment and to carry that energy it's like the script has to be exactly there the acting performance has to be exactly there there's a lot of ways for that to fail and it didn't it was great yeah totally i i do want to say one last thing i forgot to mention earlier sure is there are changes in this movie from the book it has been adapted and storylines and plot lines and character arcs have been streamlined and tweaked and adjusted to either hit an emotional arc better this way or retimed to hit it at this point instead of this point there are changes big and small throughout the story but i was blown away by how perfectly it fits Mm. in the story of dune from frank herbert like denny villeneuve knows and loves this fucking book (laughs) and in my opinion, is frankly the only person to have ever got an adaptation absolutely correct. He understands the text and the subtext and what Frank Herbert wanted to say with it all in a way that it feels like many other people who have tried have missed the mark on. So yes, there are changes. Things have been streamlined. Characters have been cut. Plot lines have been moved around. But everything, every single change in my opinion, is in perfect service of Frank's original themes and ideas and vision, which is a feat unto itself. So I want to commend Danny Villeneuve and the writing team and the entire creative team behind the film for understanding this book in a way that I think very few people have done in the past. And I I am going to say another bold thing here, which I do frankly stand by. I think this film, Dune Part 2, handled the third act of this story better than Frank did himself in the book. Like, like yeah. this adaptation is somehow better than the source mm. material. Because I've been very openly critical about the last, like, third of Dune. Uh, we did it on our book club series and on episodes on the podcast before. I've talked about how it clearly feels rushed. There's clearly, like, scenes missing, and we just, the timeline jumps, and... There's a lot of shit that happens off page for some reason, and we never see it ourselves. This movie weaves the thread in between all that shit that happens off page, and we see things that aren't in the book that perfectly make sense and tie into everything that is in the book, and the changes that are there are only to better what is already in the book or to streamline it in a way that is more palatable to a modern audience. Mm -hmm. There's tweaks in characters and even cultural tweaks to the Fremen that make them more believable and less one note than they are in the book. Like genuinely, I am shocked at how many improvements this film made from the parts of the book that I thought felt short. And so I, I, I'm blown away. I, I truly think somehow Denny Villeneuve improved on Frank's work in this adaptation. And that is so rare, right? Like, like most adaptations will lose something in translation. Somehow Denny Villeneuve has ha- added in translation and that that feels impossible to me but he did it yeah a lot of people in the dune fan community kind of revolt quietly when people say like dune needs to be fixed for the modern audience 
but somehow Villeneuve fixed it yes, for the modern right? audience. It's, it's truly And it's incredible. like, oh, yeah, good call. <laughs> good call, Denny. Um, yeah. Yeah, good job. You fixed it. There were I didn't know that those were problems, but they are, and they are done, and you fixed them. Cool. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That being said, everything's not all rainbows and sunshine. That's right. We both fucking love this movie. But there are always things to be done better, and we don't want you leaving this episode thinking we're not, you know, being critical. We're not doing our due diligence. Totally. totally. We don't want to just gush. Right. We don't just want to gush. So we can kind of go back and forth. But uh, Abu, hit me with one of your criticisms of this film. So in a totally non-spoiler way, I'm going to say one thing, and then I'm not going to elaborate on it because it would get into spoilers. I think Christopher Walken as the emperor was actually a weak point of this film. And I don't think he was able to bring as much gravitas and as much like royal emperor sort of ballsiness, I guess, that the emperor has in the book. Like truly in the book, he's only in one chapter, but even in that chapter, he's a fucking presence. I think Christopher Walken Mm. maybe didn't exactly bring that energy. Uh, What about you? What's a critique from you? I would say broadly, one of my critiques is the Bene Gesserit powers. I think they play a very active role in part two. And just as an example, like Frank meant the voice, right? Which we see in part one. He meant the voice to be something that is a real phenomenon that people use on each other. You know, I mean, the example he gave in interviews in like the 70s and 80s was your mom knows the tone of voice to make you do the dishes. Like she knows your psyche and can tell you in that tone of voice, do the dishes and you will do the dishes. It's not witchcraft. Totally. And I will say this movie has a lot of the voice in it, which is fine. The problem is it doesn't fail. Like pretty much every time the voice happens, it works. Right. And in the first movie, yeah, it's, it's, it is literally like Accio, that thing that I need from over there. And then right. it just works. Right. And for post people who don't know Harry Potter, Accio brings stuff to you. The In the first movie, we see Paul use the voice on Jessica and fail. We see Paul use the voice on the Harkonnen guard and fail. And that allows us to understand the stakes. You fuck up using the voice, someone could like knife you instead of doing what you want for them. Yeah. That's great. We don't see the voice fail in this movie. So then I, I'm left wondering like, why doesn't everybody who has the voice just use the voice constantly? Right. <laughs> like, right. It, it diminishes the stakes if right. you have this superpower you can exert over other people. That's a good point. I think it's difficult to not fall into the trap of Benny Gesserit having like Jedi superpowers. Because yeah. there's also a moment in the film where two Benny Gesserit like telepathically talk to each other. And I was like, no, please. Yeah. Ooh. Like, yeah. like, no telepathy, please. You know, like now we're getting into like, this isn't just subtle biological training and manipulation. Now we're getting into like yeah. witchcraft and wizardry. Yeah, and I think it'll be relevant going into Dune Messiah. So I, I, I'll, I, I would love to see in Dune Messiah someone use the voice on someone and it not work, and yeah. Yeah. you know them just being like, I understand how to how to resist that, and it's totally. like, oh, cool. So people can say no. What about you? So I, for me, yeah, you said Christopher Walken. Right. Benny Gesserit powers for me. What about what's a second thing for you? A second thing for me is about the Battle of Arakeen. And again, 
at the risk of saying too much, I'm going to be very vague and keep this very short because everyone deserves to see that spectacle on screen for themselves. It is truly yeah. a spectacle. The scale is awe-inspiring. I audibly gasped multiple times. <laughs> at, at one point, I wanted to reach over and grab your hand because I was like overwhelmed yeah. with what was happening was on waiting. screen. Palm up, <laughs> fingers spread. I was like, I hope he grabs my hand. <laughs> so truly, Battle of Arakeen is stunning. I, I don't want to take yeah. away from that. The one thing that I personally was excited to see that I didn't get to see was a true like on the ground hand to hand like seeing the whites of their fucking eyes fight yeah like we needed a moment following a specific Fremen started like Fadakin into the fight and then yeah. like their combat with a specific Sardaukar like yeah. I agree we got shots that involved one-on-one -on -one fighting right but it wasn't it didn't feel as like, like in the thick of it Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I'll throw in one of my other criticisms is a lack of one element of the Fremen culture. And again, there is a lot of really good to say, but we did not get do collectors. Do collectors. Mm -hmm. Come on. Oh, 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 wow. This is the hill he's going to die on, folks. <laughs> going to die on the do collector hill. <laughs> yeah. Let me show you my do collector tattoo. Uh, <laughs> Now, the reason I, the reason I, the more I think about it, the more I wish it were in the movie is we get a sense in the first movie of how scientifically advanced the Fremen are. We see the ecological testing station that has been fully like co-opted by the Fremen and the Fremen are not like savages. They're not like primitive peoples. They're very sophisticated. They're, they... They have exactly the skills they need to survive and then also invest time in educating their kids and technology and developing and maintaining technology and yeah. inventing shit. We did not see do collectors. And although that is like a very specific thing, I will say it makes the overall impression I had of the Fremen in part two a little more on the like superstitious low-tech side like perception and less of the like they have as much tech as they need mm -hmm. you know like mm -hmm. it's a subtle difference right it's a subtle difference but it's one that i think is important and the fremen are such an important piece of the puzzle that like any dimension that gets diminished at all in the movie i'm like ooh, i wish that we had just that little bit extra but whatever it's it, it's fine um that that's another criticism of mine yeah valid what valid what about you? What's another for you? Uh, okay, just my just my last thought here is a holdover, actually, a critique from part one that I had that unfortunately continues to be a critique here in part two. Hmm. Arakeen itself, the city yeah. itself, yeah, is uh, utterly lifeless. Uh, somehow even more lifeless than part one. It is literally only there to serve as like a backdrop for all the action, for the big battle, for the big arrival of the emperorship etc cetera, etc cetera. it's just a backdrop uh it's just wide shots we're not really in the city streets long enough to actually appreciate arakeen being any sort of actual capital city of the planet right that's unfortunate i i do think like i know i ragged on the sci-fi channel <laughs> miniseries yeah. earlier but that show handled the city so well we saw bustling marketplaces we saw busy yes. streets Dude, part one, dude, part two. 
didn't really treat Arakeen as a living, breathing city and treated it more as just like a aesthetic backdrop to all of the big action and big worms taking place in front of it. So disappointed to see that. Completely agreed. I think it was an opportunity that uh, does the narrative work? And did I love the movie? Yes. But could it have been a little better? Also, yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Would have liked that little bit of added texture to the city life on Arakeen. Um, yeah. Okay, we have time for one more critique. What's your last one, Leo? Hit us. My my last one is another bit of desire for added texture, and this is on a specific character, and that character is Johnny. Mm. So we love a lot of the changes, but there is uh, there are a few moments where Johnny's character, I felt a little bit like she was diminished. She was less than what she was in the book in yeah. very specific ways. And I do not know if that's going to be remedied in the next movie. And naturally, if it's not, that is a shame. Yeah. It, it leaves me with some questions about Chinese character. Yes. Which we yeah. can't really talk about in a no-spoiler discussion, but we'll, we'll definitely talk about in our upcoming spoiler discussions. Totally, 100%. Yeah. And again, Zendaya did a great job. The script was great. The narrative was amazing. But could it have been just a little bit better if we had had a couple of other things? Totally. Right, right. Um, well, okay. G given our all of our gushing and given some of these critiques we've talked about, what rating would you give the film? Three out of ten. Piece oh. of shit movie. Uh, yeah, I hated okay. It. Whoa, wow, whoa. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> no, no, no. Yes, it's fucking awesome. Yeah. I give this movie... Nine Harkonnen soldiers way out of their depths out of ten. That's a nine Harkonnen soldiers way out of their depths out of ten. Okay, amazing. I also reserve rights to upgrade this later to a ten out of ten movie. Oh wow, okay. Depending, we're putting a little asterisk in there. There is a footnote. There's always a footnote. <laughs> we talk incessantly. Yeah. I depending on how the third movie works out because mm, rumors are he's almost done with the messiah script it'll probably get greenlit and then we'll probably have a third movie and how it wraps up some threads this could be a perfect movie and otherwise it is still a nine out of ten and i am not shy to give a movie a five out of ten just to be clear i'm not one of those like every movie is an eight out of ten no i'm okay to give movies like a five out of ten four out of ten you know whatever. it is a nine out of ten movie for sure, yeah. for me. Yeah. What about you? I kind of got the sense that maybe you liked it a little bit. Yeah, I think you're you're really picking up what I was putting down during this discussion. I'm, I'm I... attuned to like small <laughs> details. Yeah, yes, yeah. exactly. You're very Benny Jesuit of you. You you picked up on the minutia <laughs> of my love I'm, for this film. I'm getting that you made mm -hmm, mm -hmm. oh, no, oh. There we go. Warmer, it. warmer, excellent. Hey. Yeah. <laughs> I fucking loved this movie. For me, it's a 10 out of 10. Uh, I think mm. I, I've made some bold statements in this conversation, and I stand by them. 10 out of 10 film. I cannot believe I am lucky enough to have seen this film in my lifetime. Yeah. And I'll even add that my rating will very likely stand regardless of how Messiah does. Messiah could utterly flop and like fucking take a weird left turn into absolutely the wrong direction <laughs> my name is a killing word <laughs> it, fully like we could get sound guns in messiah all of a sudden 
<laughs> and I still would look back on this film and be like, fuck, 10 out of 10, so good. Wow, and and I good. think that's something that I do for a lot of movies, actually. Like, not to get into a Star Wars tangent, but like the sequel trilogy is very hit or miss for many people. Obviously, mm-hmm. a lot of opinions out there. Uh, episode nine is a fucking dumpster fire of a film in almost every sense. And I hate it. But episode seven, episode eight, I actually love those movies, regardless of how nine totally dropped the ball. I still love seven. I still love eight. And I think I will feel the same about Dune. I love Dune part Mm. one. I love Dune part two somehow even more. And I hope that I will be absolutely fucking blown away by Messiah. But even if I'm not, these two movies will always have a special place in my heart. Yeah. I mean, listen, same. I I mean, not same, but like, you know, same. (laughs) Right. It's a great movie. It's a great movie. Okay, well, that's our Dune part two review. Uh, We really intended this for to be a quick conversation and here we are like an hour later classic (laughs) Jabbar. we do want to before we wrap up here let you know a little bit about what our coverage plans are for this film Mm -hmm. because we do have a lot of great content coming up related to dune part two that we're excited for you to listen to specifically on february 25th in just a few days we will be releasing another episode another discussion of this film Basically similar to today in review style format, but full on spoilers this time. We won't be holding back in that conversation. We'll be talking about the nitty gritty of it all. We won't be tap dancing around any spoilers. (laughs) That will be coming out on February 25th. And the hope is that many of you will snag those early screening tickets on the 25th and get to go see it. And then you'll come home and listen to our episode and geek out about all of the fun spoilers with us. Yeah, totally. The idea is we just got out of the theater and we want to talk about all this cool shit we noticed. We just want to vibe and like enjoy. We just saw this great movie. If that's your energy, you get out of the movie, you're like, oh, that was so cool. And you want to hear two, I don't know, so parasocial friends (laughs) talk about this handsome, 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 parasocial, charming, just like both very tall, both of us very, very tall. Right. Uh, friends talk about this movie that you just saw that that'll be there for you whether it's on the 25th or the 1st of March or hey the 15th of March this will be the like hit of I just watched this thing I want to hear what people have to say yeah. we just watched this thing. yeah not definitely. not as structured not as like meticulous as our full breakdown exactly and well speaking of March 1st and our full breakdown yeah our hope and our very ambitious plan is to actually try and drop our comprehensive, like literally fucking scene by scene mega analysis of this film. Same as we did for Dune Part 1. We released a three and a half hour episode where we broke it down (laughs) scene by scene. Uh We're going to try and do the same thing again for Dune Part 2. We're going to try and release it on March 1st. (laughs) Yeah. We'll also be hosting a live hangout like a hype live stream hangout with patrons. So for patrons, keep your eye on your email notifications. We'll try to announce that in advance uh, or discord. We'll talk about it there as well. And of course, keep your eye out for potential collaborations with our friends of the pod. uh, People like Quinn of uh, ideas of ice and fire, Danica 19 comic book girl 19 uh, and Elaine, AKA nerd cookies. That's right. Keep your eye out for those. And, hey, once the dust is settled, once our production dust is settled, 
we do want to do like a New York uh, viewing and like maybe go to a pub after or something yeah, like that. Yeah, a little meetup for our, for our local listeners in the area. Totally. Especially once we <laughs> have had a chance to like do our episodes and then relax a minute. And then, That's right. Yeah. That's right. And hey, you know, I think we can say this now. We also have a Dune Lego Ornithopter sealed, unopened in a box sitting in the other room. Oh my gosh. And that giveaway is coming up very soon as well. True. So yeah. y'all better make sure you go to patreon.com slash comedy bar because that's when that's where we're going to be announcing that giveaway and how to sign up. Okay. That bit aside, let's take care of some outro housekeeping. We uh, want to remind you of some ways to uh, support the show. How about become a patron over yeah. at patreon.com forward slash gamjabar. You can also check out gamjabarshop.com for merchandise that is Dune themed. If you want to show up to that Dune premiere wearing something cool, all of those links are in our show notes. That's right. And of course, we love to hear from you. So yeah. email us, gamjabarpodcast at gmail.com. In particular, folks, email us your thoughts on the film. Of course, Leo and I are yeah. out here expressing our opinions, but come on, we want to hear yours as well. Email us, gomtobarpodcast at gmail.com. Send us your thoughts. Send us your questions. Send us yeah. cute pictures of your pets. My goodness, we opened a new channel in Discord for pets and the photos have been adorable. <laughs> it's overwhelming. We love it. We love to hear from you. So please do reach out to us. Indeed. Yeah, I'd be so curious to hear people who see it on the 25th and the 29th and the 1st. It's like, what are the craziest little details that you noticed? Because right. like naturally we're going to be doing we're our best to come through, yeah. but we're not going to catch it all for sure. Yeah. Oh, I can't wait. What an exciting week. Oh my God. I know. There's so many little shots too. <laughs> I'm like, I can't wait to be able to pause at this movie. I know. And just like pick apart what I'm seeing, you know? Right, right. I mean, people want us to do another sort of like watch along commentary thing for the second one as yeah. well. So we'll have to do that when it's out on streaming. Oh, yeah, yeah. I have amazing. at least one I have at least one joke written already. Oh, I yeah. wrote it in my notes. Oh I got some jokes written. My notebook is ready. <laughs> Well, friends, there is no real ending. It's just the place where you stop the recording. But this podcast is always one step beyond logic, so help spread the word of Muad'Dib and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Also, be sure to check out the other shows on the Lord Party Podcast Network on lordparty.com. You can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at lore underscore party. We're also on TikTok at Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Woo! Thank you so much for listening. And remember, whoever controls the podcast controls the universe. We'll see you on that golden path. <laughs> Keeping it. Keeping it. <laughs>